Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel production, your daily podcast for storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, November 20th, and we're here to talk about the Davis Cup. My name is Jamie McDonald, and with me is my Wednesday regular back on schedule, Matt Stokowiak. Matt, how's it going? What's going on, Jamie? Almost the end of 2019, but at least we still got a little Davis Cup action to talk about here. I know. They're not holding out on us in terms of, you know, just having a complete dry spell of tennis. We're not there yet. You know, you think about the ATP finals being done. Of course, we covered that over the last week. But no, no, still more tennis to be had, more entertaining tennis to be had. Although I will say definitely more difficult to uh, watch and enjoy uh, the Davis Cup sort of just in general now, not only because of the format, but, you know, with some of the rights of media, it's gotten a little more difficult. You can't just flip on ESPN and have everything at your disposal, right? It's a little, you got to get a little, uh, a little, little more crafty to make sure you're seeing what you need to see. I think the USA matches in particular are streamed on Fox Sports 2, I want to say, so you can get to it from there. And maybe if you have some other streaming services like Fubo, you can, you can get around and watch the matches you want to. But uh, a, a not quite as straightforward as, you know, sometimes we're spoiled enough to have, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, man. I'm not a huge fan, right? Like I want these, I want these matches available quickly and easily, mm-hmm. you know, where I don't have to go around and look for streams and all that bogus. But I don't know, man. It is what it is. I, I still prefer the old format of Davis Cup, but you know, I'm sure that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, and you know, people have voiced their opinions. I think the most recent one I saw was Verev. Um, I think it came up in. Um, his press conference after his loss at the ATP finals, you know, essentially talking about why he didn't love it, thought it really took away from like a long tradition uh, of the game, which I, I definitely understand. And I get what they're trying to do, right? Um, you know, they're trying to shake things up, you know, make things a little more enticing, perhaps mirror something of other sports that they've seen work, you know, i.e. World Cup here, uh, soccer, of course. And so, um, it's one of those things that I understand and, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it, right? Like, I guess to me, I was never super attached to Davis Cup. Like, obviously, it's something you follow, and it's and something that's pretty cool, especially when U.S. has good results. Um, but for me, I think this is just another shakeup, and you know, hey, get used to it and see how it goes, right? Yeah, I guess we're gonna have to, man. We'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, you know, listeners, we're gonna walk through um, since I don't think on the pods we've done much with Davis Cup so far. Um, going on throughout the week, so started November eighteenth, uh, going through the twenty fourth in Madrid. Um, and we're going to walk you through what's happened in the groups thus far. Um, so pretty, you know, typical bracket when it comes to pool play, you know, the winners of each pool or group in this case advance, and then a couple runner up, uh, you know, get sprinkled based on those tiebreakers and how they did in their groups individually. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into it. We'll just run through it from group A to group F. 
Um, in Group A, we'll start out, you've got Serbia, Japan, and France. Um, so let's go ahead and start with France-Japan, because um, that is the match that has been played out of Group A. And ultimately, France takes it 2-1 over Japan. Kind of odd to see the score 2-1, <laughs> and that's it, right? Um, but France gets gets it done. Joe Willy Sanga um, has a very routine win over Uchiyama, 2-1, um, nothing, nothing too big there. I guess the surprise in this one for a lot of people would be Nishioka getting a you know fairly straightforward win over Gael Monfils, five and two. I mean, what a great win for Nishioka. Yeah, that, yeah, that's definitely a good win. And I mean, Japan, when you look at their squad, I mean, the the huge name is missing, right? Kenny Shikori. I mean, if he was mm-hmm. in there, um, you know, this this thing could have been flipped around. Obviously, he, you know, Nishikori would be ranked higher than anybody that played in this. Uh, particular match for France or Japan. So, um, you know, that would have made it interesting. But yeah, Sanga, very routine win. But Nishioka, man, I mean, we've talked about him before in the past. We know what he can do. He's tricky. He's going to make a ton of balls. And if you're not up to the task, um, he's going to beat you. And Gael Monfils, he's played a lot of tennis recently. Um, He's gone deep in a lot of tournaments. He's had a really good year um, in 2019. So maybe Monfils was a bit fatigued. Nishioka, a bit fresher, was able to run around the court and just you know, have his way a little bit, but, um, you know, definitely with the way that those two had played throughout the rest of the year, I mean, you would have figured Monfils would have been a solid favorite in that match, but not, not terribly shocking. Nishioka is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely agree. And you talk about some people who have been on court a lot lately and been tired. Uh, the French pairing of dubs here, Air Baron Mahout, just coming fresh off of that uh, win at the ATP World Finals. So obviously they're going to be a little drained. They had a very tight one. They barely got out of this, honestly. And it's, you know, I guess you could say fatigue, but they're also just clearly the better team in this. Um, they were going up against McLaughlin and Uchiyama. Dropped the first set 6-7, end up winning the second and third sets 6-4 and 7-5, respectively. But um, ultimately, they get it done, uh, as you would expect. But, you know, looking at this on paper, I feel like I'm expecting more of like a 3-4 and four here for this result. Yeah, I mean, you would think so. But again, think about how mentally draining it is for those guys to come right off of that London World Tour Finals win um, and then have to turn around and play Davis Cup where you're playing for France. I mean, there's there's a lot of pressure. Um, So, you know, not... It's surprising, obviously, right? Herbert and Mahout are arguably the best doubles team in the world. Um, but, you know, they, they, they came through. And, you know, they've faced adversity before. Hell, they had a lot of adversity during the World Tour Finals that they were able to make it out of and, and win that tournament. So, um, you know, the fact that they were able to pull it out 7-5 in the third, I'm not surprised. They did that just off of experience alone and just, you know, their their sheer skill. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and I don't know, we, we can talk about them as a team for, for a really long time because over the last few years, we've seen how dominant they can be, right? Um, it's just, it's just incredibly impressive. And, you know, you talk about it, it's, it's just interesting scoreline because Herbert and Mahout, I, I believe, um, this is right in ATP finals. I mean, yeah, they had them, they had some tough matches, but they didn't drop a set to win the title. And now they come out here and, and lose a set to, you know, a team who you would expect them to, you know, maybe, 
clean up pretty easily. I don't know. I, I guess more than anything, maybe it's just a good showing from McLaughlin and Uchiyama. But ultimately, it was good enough. France gets the win 2-1. To round out Group A, two matches yet to be played. One will be on Wednesday, the 20th, Serbia um, and Japan. And then, of course, on the 21st, we'll have France and Serbia. So only one completed in Group A. Let's go ahead and move on to Group B. Um, the teams in Group B, you've got Croatia, Russia, and Spain. Um, and the Russia-Spain, I mean, honestly, this one is going on. It, I guess it, I think it just finished up, that doubles match between Groniers and Lopez um, and then Hatchinov and Rublev. I believe that match actually just finished up. So crazy. They're playing They're playing pretty late into the night over there because this is in Madrid. But ultimately for that one, Spain gets it done as Lopez and Granillers get the point uh, for them. So good for Spain in that match. Um, ultimately, that means Spain is up 2-1 or wins that's 2-1 over Russia because Nadal comes through as well, beach ha- beats Hasranov 6-3, 7-6. Um, and for Russia, Rublev was ever to able to get it done with a really good win over Roberto Batista Agut, 3-6, 6-3, um, So good stuff there. Honestly, that's that's a really good performance from Rublev. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really interesting match just overall, that Spain versus Russia. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, this is one of those that I would love, like if we went back to the old format and it was a best of five rubber right. instead sure. of just three. Because, I mean, I'd want to see more matches, man. I mean, let's let's flip it and have Rublev play Rafa and Hatchinov play Bautista Agut and see how that goes. I mean, because those could be phenomenal as well. Um, great matches all around. I mean, Rublev to beat Bautista Agut, that's, that's basically powerful. Power, you know, from Rublev against the counterpunching ability of RBA. Um, and then obviously Rafa, you know, played okay in London. I mean, he definitely didn't have his best. Um, but but he played all right, and, you know, he's hanging around. And to beat Hatchinov three and six, you know, straight sets, get the win, um, you know, that was huge to allow their doubles team of Granollers and Lopez to to pull that final doubles match out and actually win the, the overall tie. Um, so big from Rafa, but, I mean, really good performances from everybody. I'm sure Hatchinov will be a little disappointed he lost singles and doubles, but, hey, when you play Rafa, um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly, when you're looking at that team of Russia, obviously um, the big name you're missing there, of course, is Medvedev. Um, Daniil Medvedev was slated to play, but then pulled out. Just, I mean, he's got citing exhaustion, right? Exactly. I mean, we saw it at the, you know, we saw it in London as well. I mean, look, this year has clearly taken a toll on him. You know, he's played a ton of matches. Let's be honest, he's won a ton of matches, which is great for him. But yeah, unfortunate because you know there were some quotes from. Daniil Medvedev talking about, hey, I'm really excited to play this, but ultimately, you know, at this point, I think it was, he just decided, he was like, look, I, I can't play this. And, you know, maybe that's the right call, right? You know, maybe he he could have done more harm than good, um, not only to himself, but if he wasn't able to put his best out there. Um, ultimately, it gets left up to the young guns, Hatchinov and Rublev, and um, unable to come through on this day. But... Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Regardless, you know, Russia also had a Good performance, winning 3-0 over Croatia. 
Um, so we'll go ahead and jump into that one as well. Rublev, once again, getting a singles win, taking out Borna Gojo, 6-3, 6-3. Um, then another Borna uh, also gets a loss for Croatia. Borna Choric goes out to Hachinov. George wins the first set, 7-6. However, Hachinov then wins 6-4, 6-4. Um, and then finally, when we're looking into the doubles, uh, Hachinov and Rublev do get it done over Dodig and Metkic, uh, 7-6-6-4. And honestly, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Dodig's a really, really good doubles player. So um, certainly a dangerous one on this one. Honestly, I like watching Hachinov and Rublev play doubles. It's, it's just a little different. Yeah, it's different. I mean, two guys that typically are going to play singles, but they both possess massive power. So, I mean, they can just wail away on those groundies. And it's kind of fun to watch in doubles because typically, I mean, when we see some of those top teams in the world, you know, it's all serve and volley. They're really Mm -hmm. good finesse around the net. And and these guys play a little bit differently. So it's just a change of pace when we're watching dubs. But, I mean, like you mentioned, Dodig and Mektic, I mean, those two, they're they're double specialists. Um, That's that's really all they do is play doubles. So um, that's... That is a great win, but Jamie, I got to give a shout out to Borna Gojo here, man. I know. I I was hoping you'd say something. Yeah, college tennis, man. Wake Forest. um, You know, I've watched him for for several years now um, playing in college, and it's just, it's pretty cool to see him get in a a match like this in Davis Cup. I mean, I'm assuming Marin Cilic um, would typically be in that spot, um, and he had to pull out. So uh, Borna Gojo comes in, and, you know, three and three against Rublev, obviously, it's, it's a tough ask when you got to play somebody like Andre Rublev. Um, but you know what? I'm just happy to see Gojo in there, man. That's that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, and that's not a bad result. I mean, think about the guy no, like Rublev I mean, who has done some very impressive things. I mean, 3-3 three and three is a very respectable result against a guy like Rublev. So, yeah, it's like yeah, one break a set, right? See. I mean, yeah. 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 That's good stuff. That's that's uh, that's impressive in and of itself. But ultimately, Russia moving through there. The only match to not be played yet is Croatia and Spain, um, and that will take place once again Wednesday the twentieth. So, good stuff. Entertaining stuff from Group B. Let's go ahead and move on to Group C. Um, here in this one, you've got Argentina, uh, Chile, and Germany are the three in this one. Um, Only one match has been played in this group, um, Argentina and Chile. Argentina taking it, getting all three matches taken care of. Um, So let's go ahead and start with Guido Pella, a guy who, you know, we've talked a lot about this year. Getting the win over Jari, 6-4, 6-3, fairly routine there. Diego Schwartzman getting a pretty smooth win over Christian Guerin as well, 6-2, 6-2. Schwartzman just ultimately too good in that one. And then in the doubles match, honestly, pretty straightforward when it comes to a double score, right? Uh, Gonzalez and, and uh, Mayer taking out, taking out Jerry and uh, Pablo Pic Castillo, 6-3-7-5. So Argentina um, sweeps everything there. No sets dropped at all in that one. Um, you know, Ultimately, not too much to talk about in these other than the fact that really, I guess I would have expected or hoped Garen put up a bigger fight against Schwartzman. Yeah, I mean, interesting matchup here, though, like just to see all the South Americans, like when you look yeah. at Pella and Jerry and Schwartzman, Garen, like, you know, Argentina and Chile, very close in proximity in South America. So, you know, kind of a fun, fun matchup here. But yeah, I mean, Argentina just ran away with it. And, you know, Guido Pella and, and Diego Schwartzman are, you know, when you think about it, just a little bit of a step above Nicholas Jerry and Christian Garen right now. I mean, it's, 
you know, that's really just the fact of the matter. And then, of course, you throw the dubs in there as well. Gonzalez and Meyer are, are, are two pretty good dubs players. So um, not a huge shock here. Obviously, in those singles matches, I, I would have liked to have seen, you know, somebody split sets, push that to three. But um, Pella and Schwartzman, man, I mean, talk about two guys that don't miss many balls from the baseline. I mean, they are just going to grind away. And it looks like it uh, worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's a solid crop for uh, for your singles players, for sure. So the match is yet to be played. Argentina and Germany, that's first. That's going to be Wednesday the 20th. Thursday the 21st, you've got Germany and Chile. So that's Group C. Moving into Group D, um, you've got Belgium, Colombia, and Australia. Um, two of the three matches have been completed, so we'll walk you through those. Belgium uh, getting the 2-1 over Colombia. Um, Darcy taking out Santiago Geraldo. For Belgium, so 6-3-6-2, point to Belgium there. Goffin um, getting in the other singles win, taking out uh, Alahi Galan, 3-6-6-3-6-3. I think if you would ask anybody, you would probably expect that Goffin wouldn't be the one to split sets, but uh, here we are getting the win in three. Um, And then ultimately, not surprisingly here, but once again, a really tight scoreline, right? You know, the Colombian pair of Cabal and Farah really known for their doubles prowess, right? I mean, we've seen them throughout the year. Um, just an incredible team. But once again, such a tight match in three sets. They barely get it done. 6-7, 6-4, 7-6 in the third. I mean, I mean, they get Columbia on the board in this one, but wow. Once again, surprised at how tight this scoreline is. Yeah, interesting. I mean, again, right, that's two, uh, that's arguably two, the top two teams in the world, maybe. Cabal mm-hmm. Farah and then, and then Herbert Mahout that we were talking about that struggled in their first matches here, um, you know, yeah. barely winning in a third set. So it's interesting. I mean, it, it, it makes us think a little bit, okay, what's going on there? I mean, are these guys, you know, is it that much mental fatigue? Because I don't know about physically. I, I think they're probably okay physically, um, you know, playing these doubles matches, you know, at the World Tour final. It's 10-point tiebreakers for third sets. It's not full third. Um, so I don't think physically they're, they're going to be that beat up. But mentally, man, it goes to show you how draining it really can be. Um, but still, at the end of the day, they came through. But um, Belgium gets the win. David Goffin, man, he I, I feel like he's always got the weight of the world on his shoulders, or the weight of Belgium, <laughs> I should say. Um, you know, because, I mean, Steve Darcy, you know, no disrespect. But, I mean, it's look, he beat Santiago Geraldo here. Uh, from Colombia, but as they move into it and Belgium has to play some of these other teams, it's going to be tough. Gofan has to win. I mean, if Belgium has any chance, Gofan's going to have to win every match. Yep. No, I agree with you. He, it is uh, definitely a pressure situation for him, but um, you know, we'll see when that comes. I think the most interesting match uh, of this group is still yet to be played. Um, the one that will occur on Wednesday the 20th, once again, is that Belgium and Australia tie. So I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see how the lineups shake out there. But I'm with you. If they're going to win, I mean, <laughs> GoFin's really got to get it done for them. But Let's talk about the other half of that match that's going to come up is Australia and Colombia. Australia really just showing why they're this good, right? 3-0, they're getting it done. Dimenauer, of course, you know, somebody who, you know, we know how dangerous he can be. He gets the win over Elahi Galan, 6-4, 6-3, pretty routine. Um, Kyrgios also getting the win as expected over Alejandro Gonzalez, 6-4, 6-4. So straight, set, straight sets wins for Kyrgios and Damon Auer. Once again, the interesting scoreline coming in doubles. I think you'd probably expect Cabal and Farah to get this one done. 
Coming down to the wire, a third set breaker once again. However, this time it's Australia that gets the win. John Pierce and Jordan Thompson get it 6-3, 3-6, 7-6. And I will say, though, you got to give the shout-out to John Pierce here. This guy is a phenomenal doubles player. I mean, we've seen what he's done over the last few years, especially playing with uh, Continents, usually who he plays with, uh, if I believe right. And so... Yeah, I mean, a phenomenal doubles player, um, able to lead this team and get it done. Once again, surprising, though, that Cabal and Farad don't. I mean, sure, they barely squeaked out their last one. I'm surprised they don't win this match. It just goes to show you, man, how slim the margins really are in doubles. Like, it literally comes down to, like, a point here, a point there. If that swings the other way, I mean, the match could flip. It's really that close. And, you know, I I realized that watching uh, London last week, the World Tour Finals, some of those dubs matches, man— I mean, you're talking about a no-add point that could just swing the entire set, and it's one point. Um, It's just, it's crazy how close, you know, regardless of, okay, yeah, I know it's Cabal Farah, like, arguably the top team in the world, but, man, it just, it literally comes down to maybe a handful of points that decide these matches, so credit to Piers. Um, Jordan Thompson especially, you know, for him to step in there, not a guy that typically plays a ton of doubles. We think of him more for his grinding singles play, um, but they were able to team up and get it done. So Australia is looking good. Yeah, I mean, that's really impressive from Jordan Thompson too, especially even, you know, of course, it's the thought's got to be entering his mind too, right? He's stepping on the court um, and he's clearly sort of the fourth one on in the sense that these guys are pretty much always playing dubs year round. Um, and it's just a little bit different. But yeah, Piers and Thompson get it done, 6-3, 3-6, 7-6, and they get the 3-0 for Australia. So Australia looking good um, you know, and, and looking like they might come out of Group D. Let's go ahead and move on to Group E. Um, three interesting ones in this. You've got Kazakhstan, uh, Netherlands, and Great Britain. Um, so the only match that has been completed out of this is uh, that first one, Kazakhstan and Netherlands. Netherlands, unfortunately, losing here 1-2 in this tie. Kukushkin um, taking taking on uh, Van de Zanderskoop. Probably messed that one up, but uh, we're going to roll with it. Kukushkin winning at 6-2, 6-2. Not surprising he gets the win there. Um, then, of course, you got Alexander Sasha, Sasha Bublik um, falling to Robin Hasse in a really, really tight match. Uh, Hasse wins at 7-5, 3-6, 7-6. Once again, another third set breaker. So, Pressure's really been on uh, throughout this event so far. Yeah, good win overall in this in this tie for for Kazakhstan. I mean, you know, they're they're not a country that we typically think of when it comes to Davis Cup, like being a threat, you know. But when you've mm-hmm. got Kukushkin, who's just a steady as he goes kind of guy that's always going to be hanging around. He plays, you know, throughout the entire year on the ATP tour. And then Bublik is always to me just kind of a wild card, right? I mean, he's either going to play out of his mind and he could beat anybody or he's going to lay an egg and just look like absolute crap. Um, So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of his overall. I mean, just his up and down style, not one of my favorite guys, but um, you know, Hase being the veteran is able to take him out in a tight, tight match there, mm-hmm. um, you know, but then they come back and pair up uh, Bublik and, and Kukushkin in dubs and, and get it done in straight sets. Yeah, um, and yeah. It, you know, again, in that match, uh, John Julian Roger is is a dubs guy. I mean, he's playing all the time, um, you know, so that's, that's a good win for those guys. And now that they beat Netherlands, it's going to be tougher um, against Great Britain, no doubt. They're going to have, they're going to have a battle there, but it should be interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I like how you mentioned with Roger, I mean, 
look, this guy, once again, a guy who's playing dubs year-round, a phenomenal player, was just playing at the World Tour Finals. So on paper, I was definitely expecting uh, Hase and Rocher to, to get that one done. Uh, ultimately, though, they fall 6-4, 7-6. The other two matches, or the other two ties yet to be played, um, Great Britain, Netherlands, you know, that one will be interesting. That one um, is slated to be Wednesday the 20th. And then Thursday the 21st, you've got Great Britain and Kazakhstan. So we'll see how Group E shakes out. Our final group, uh, where the boys from USA are involved. In Group F, you've got USA, Canada, and Italy. So um, of or within this group, two of the matches have been played. The first one uh, being Italy and Canada. Canada getting the win here, 2-1. First, I mean, we just got to give a you you got to give a shout out to Vasek Pospisil. I mean, he's gotten some big wins for Canada, um, and so you know, starting with the one against against Fognini, what a good win for Vasek Pospisil. Because look, Fognini has had a great year. Sure, you can always talk about the ups and downs, but this guy can pull it out in any given match, and Pospisil stays with it and wins it seven six seven five. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we got to give credit to Pospisil over the last couple of months. I think mm-hmm. he's really elevated his game. And, you know, he was a guy that kind of fell off the map a little bit, honestly. Um, you know, we didn't talk much about him over the last year or two. Um, you know, prior to that, a couple of years ago, he was ranked like top 30 in the world. So he was he was definitely a factor, but then he fell off. Um, so to come back and get a win for Canada, you know, over a top 15 player in the world in Fognini, I mean, that's that's huge. And then obviously... Um, his younger buddy Shapovalov was able to come through in a tough one yeah, against insane. my boy Berrettini in, in an epic battle. So big, big for Canada there. Yeah, I mean, what you mentioned it right there. What an insane scoreline in that second match, right? Shapovalov wins it 7-6-6-7-7-6 over Matteo Berrettini. And, of course, Berrettini, a guy who you got to think by now is gassed, right? He, um, you know, he just had he's played his a debut. Lot. He's played a lot. He just had his, his uh, ATP Finals debut not long ago. Now he's here in Madrid trying to do it for Italy and not able to get across the finish line against Shapovalov, but ultimately, you know, Goes for the redeeming point uh, when it comes to playing dubs, right? Playing with Fonini gets the win. Another three-setter, 6-2, 3-6, 6-3. Berrettini and Fonini get it done over Pospisil and Shapovalov. So Canada comes out on top 2-1. Canada also comes out on top 2-1 against the United States. So let's go ahead and move into that one. Um, Riley Opelka taking on Pospisil. Once again, as we mentioned, Pospisil gets that win. 7-6, 7-6. Two tie breaks, I mean, against Riley Opelka. Not too surprising in terms of a scoreline. Unfortunate, yes. You, I mean, I think I would have expected Opelka to grab a set in this one, but um, ultimately props to Pospisil for getting across the finish line for Canada here. Yeah, I mean, look, two tiebreakers, not a surprise there, but Opelka's got to snag one of those, man. I mean, you've got to get one out of two tiebreakers. You know, Opelka's used to playing breakers. I mean, he does almost every single match he plays, so mm-hmm. I just feel like to go 0-2 in, in two tiebreakers, that's tough. I mean, that's tough. I'd, I'd really like to see that be split 1-1 at worst, and then who knows, get into a third set and, and let the chips fall where they may at that point, but... Um, Pospisil, man, I mean, he's really playing well, you know, individually for himself um, and also for his country. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, let's go ahead and go to that second match. Shapovalov taking on Taylor Fritz. Shapovalov getting it done in straight sets for Canada as well. 7-6, 6-3 over Fritz. Um, and then ultimately, since Canada's up here, they ended up conceding that third match, which would have been the doubles match because, you know, they've already, you know, they beat, they beat Italy, so they don't really need it at that point. 
it was going to be Pospisil Shapovalov against Sock and Query, which um, would have been a lot of fun to watch, unfortunately. But, um, you know, Canada playing it for the, the long run of Davis Cup overall. So um, respect the strategy, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. I mean, really, <laughs> I, look, Pospisil and Shapovalov can both play dubs. I mean, Pospisil obviously used to play with Jack Sock, um, mm-hmm. and they were they were awesome. So, I mean, we know he can play, and Denis Shapovalov plays a little bit more dubs than a lot of the other guys on tour as well that, that typically we think of, um, you know, on the singles tour. So that would have been a fun one, man. I mean, I really, I, I would have liked to have seen that, but... You know, I guess at the end of the day, look, these guys are tired. It's at the end of the year. Um, Canada's already secured their spot. So, look, I get it. I I do get it. You got to do what you got to do, man. I mean, it's about, look, do you want to win Davis Cup or or do you care about one match that doesn't, you know, really matter? So, I'm I'm with them there. I get it. Yeah, and ultimately, too, you got to think about, you know, Pospisil and Shapovalov getting tired, right? They're the guys playing every match. Pospisil and Shapovalov played the two singles matches against Italy and also played doubles. Then they played both singles matches against the U.S. So, yeah, from that standpoint, definitely makes sense. So, in this group, the only one um, left to be played is U.S. against Italy. Um, So, you know, really looking forward to that one. That's going to be taking place Wednesday the 20th. So, listeners, that's today for you. So hopefully that's a real good matchup. Um, Ultimately, I mean, the U.S. would need any – I think U.S. – they have to win that if they want any hope of making it to the knockout stage. And Mm -hmm. even if they beat Italy, I don't think – you know, they may still not make it. So it is – it's not looking good for the Americans right now. Yeah, I I honestly am not positive in terms of what exactly would need to happen. I'm sure some some things would need to fall the right way. But definitely, you know, if they can get a 3-0 win, of course, that's going to help. but uh, ultimately, yeah, that's all our groups, groups A through F there. Then we're going to be moving to the knockout round, right? So then the winner of each group is going to get through, and then two runner-ups um, will be sprinkled into that to, to round it out from the winner, the six winners, plus the two runner-ups gets you eight. And there's your quarterfinals, right? So um, it's interesting in general, uh, this Davis Cup format. I'm, uh, I'm eager to see how it goes. I mean, I think... I think maybe I'll be more into it when it gets out of the sort of group pool play into that bracket. Um, once again, I mean, you hit it. I, I wish maybe sometimes it was more than just those three individual matches. Um, that might be something that's kind of what's lost, right? Especially when those long drawn out, I mean, look, those Davis Cup matches, five setters, right? And so you, you're talking about some iconic matches we've seen over to, over the, over the years. So um, maybe a bit of that is lost, you know, at the, uh, at, at the expense of trying to make this event um, a little more eye grabbing or whatever, but an interesting test run ultimately has produced some great matches like the ones we just talked about and, and looking forward to the ones that we've got slated for the next couple of days. So um, honestly, mostly positives from my end as, as a, you know, pure spectator of this one, I'm not too bitter. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who are sitting this sitting at this shaking their head the whole time. Um, I can't say I'm in that camp. Sure. There's some traditions lost, but at the end of the day, it's something new and we're still getting good tennis out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, look, everyone's going to have their opinion. I'm I'm definitely more traditional, man. I mean, I look, I've been to Davis Cup ties here in the US and and I've seen, you know, the old school, you know, where it comes down to a fifth rubber, mm-hmm. 3 out of 5 sets, the crowd is just going nuts. You know, you're you're in America or you're in, you know, Croatia, wherever it is, and it's just that 
I don't know, man. There's something about that that I just, I, I, I used to love that. I really did. So, you know, to have everything be in Spain, and look, Madrid, I'm sure, is awesome. But why does, why does Spain get, you know, why do they get to host? What makes them so special? You know, and it, it, that's that's a bit of an unfair, you know, I, I, look, all these other teams have to travel to Spain and Spain gets to sit there and play in front of their home crowd. I, I don't know. I mean, and even if it rotates every year, you know, if we come to the U.S. next year, then we go to Great Britain, then we go to Russia. I mean, still, I don't know. Yeah, the I, old get way, I, I get I just, it. I get it. It is what it is. I get it. And I think what you're talking about is an, an issue that's been, you know, it's obviously something that comes up in pretty much every other sport that has worldwide competition, right? At the end of the day, at some point or another, somebody's going to have some sort of home field advantage. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes that's just the way it goes. But yeah, it could perhaps be exposed in a um, particularly highlighted fashion in this one. Um, but we'll see. You know, maybe somebody will prove us wrong or, you know, Spain won't win at all. We'll see. But um, ultimately, that's Davis Cup. We'll keep you updated. Uh, listeners, we'll keep you updated as we move throughout the week and as we move through this event. Matt, I want to thank you for hopping on once again. Um, always a pleasure, always a treat to have you on the Wednesday as my regular. What do we say to our listeners? That's break. All right, and we'll catch you guys next time.